I'll tell you one thing about worship. If we don't deal with it, God's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We have, we have basically aborted about 60 million people. We are pikers. I mean, Adolf Hitler is a piker compared to the United States government. Grab a hold of that. What, what is the most valuable thing on earth to God? But eternal souls created in His image and likeness. When He looks at anyone, literally, he sees his spirit in them. Go back to Genesis for a minute. When he breathed into Adam, it's not the breath of life. It's the breath of lives. Plural. I am ending. What he did was he created a man that could reproduce himself. Spirit, soul, and body. There's three parts to every one of us. We are spirit, soul, and body. And what the enemy wants to do is destroy a generation. <coughs> when you think about that, 60 plus million people aboard. I wonder what we've really done to ourselves. Whole other subject, but just that's on my heart when we think about that. It's a big deal. Yes. It's a big deal. Yes. And I, I guarantee you, some of us have nothing better to do on a Saturday than go down there and literally snatch someone out of that. And see, the other side of the coin is in all the years that I was pastor up in Chicago, do you know how many young women are living under that guilt Man. of having, having murdered their child? And I'm sure some of us here have all been there. We've all been radically selfish and done incredibly stupid things. But understand, we have it in our power to literally change someone's entire destiny. And I just, when I hear about that, it gets me stirred up. Amen. Well, how are you guys doing today? Awesome. Are you blessed? Yes, yes. Now, if I really share what God gave me, is that going to offend you? No. I just, I, well, don't just say that. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's heavy. But I, I tell you what, as much as I know my name is Steve, I've got a word from the Lord for us Amen. here in this room. I'm not preaching for the Internet crowd or whatever. This is about us right here. And I tell you, I'm excited to be here. Amen. God is here. Amen. God's touching us here. The Holy Ghost is moving here. But I believe God can do even more than anything we've ever seen. Amen. But I, I was, it was amazing. I was listening when we came in here this morning. They were playing the revival hymn. And thinking of Duncan Campbell and listen to some of the things you can hardly... You know, his voice is probably as messed up as mine this morning. I sound like I'm speaking out of my nose. I guess I am in a sense. And I'm still trying to get healed of some of this medical stuff that I've been going through. Those of you that don't know me, I was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, in September, when I had a PET scan, that thing lit up like a Christmas tree. When we go back in in December, how many know the power of God is greater than cancer? Amen. setting me free. It has set me free. It's amazing. Tracy and I were there, and in three doctors looking at all these things, we get three different reports. 
How many of you know that's the normal medical thing? They don't have a clue. They are practicing medicine. <laughs> what I'm going to share with you is not practicing preaching. I mean, God has given us a clear word. Amen. 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 Now, it's the second Sunday in January. And I don't take that lightly. And this isn't about some New Year's resolution or any of that kind of stuff. But how many of you know it is time to step up our game? Yes. When I say step up our game, I mean raise the standard, our devotion, and our walk with God. I know about you, I mean, I'm 52 now, and I've had some great things happen in my life. I've actually seen, and sometime I'm going to talk about it with you, not this morning, but I've actually seen the glory of God. If, if, if you were to say, well, I don't know about there being a God, let me tell you something. Not only is there a God, but He's glorious. Amen. And He is a consuming fire. And, and He is eternal. And He is awesome. Yes. And this year, literally, because God is so merciful. In our immaturity, we would squander our lives. But He doesn't give it to us all at once. He gives you your life incrementally. By that I mean it's a year at a time, it's a month at a time, it's a week at a time, it's even a day at a time. You can change your whole direction in life, literally in a moment in time. And here we are at the beginning of another year. Wow, what an opportunity. I want to show you something in the Word of God this morning that really isn't my message at all, but it's what God gave me to share first. So how many of you know, just do it and let the chips fall where they may? Amen. So we're in Malachi. Or for those of you that uh, aren't aware of it, the Italian prophet Malachi. <laughs> well, we're in Malachi. Chapter 1 for a minute this morning. Hallelujah. Father, God, I pray that you would bless us today with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, we want to know you. I pray you make your word come alive yes. to every one of us, God. <laughs> speak to me. Speak to us. Transform me, even this morning, God. God, I ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. Give me ears to hear. Give us ears to hear. But beyond that, hearts to grab a hold of it, God. Oh, Lord, come and, come and have your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look at Malachi. Now, again, this is, this is some pretty heavy stuff. But it's a great thing for us to look at as we begin another year. Look at Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. It may not be the case in our generation so much, but it's the way it should be. And this is what God is saying. A son honors his father, and a servant honors his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? God's using just natural illustration to help us see something that is of eternal value to us. He says, if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen to this. To you, O priests, who despise my name. And you say, how have 
we despise your name. You're presenting the final food upon thy altar. Look at this. Look at verse 8 for a moment. When you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? When you present the lame and the sick, is it evil? Why don't you offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Before we go any farther, it's amazing because Malachi is, is more or less going to be speaking to the leadership. So you would say, well, why are you talking to us about it? You know, preach this to Pastor Eric and Matthew and the leaders of the church. Well, there's a principle here I want everybody to understand. First of all, I believe that every one of us has the potential to be a leader in the kingdom of God. Yes. Yes. To be someone that the world and the people follow. Yes. What is a leader? Someone actually with followers in their lives. That's the most simple definition. You know how good you are as a leader? Look around. Is there anybody there? If there's nobody there, you're out for a walk, man. But if someone's following, you are a leader. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, how many of you have the potential to be a leader? Amen. Okay, that's real. That's as real as it gets. I'm telling you, God didn't create any junk. He created you in His likeness and in His image. You have a calling and a destiny and a purpose. Every one of us Amen. in this room. Amen. 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 Nothing else this morning I will preach myself happy. <laughs> <laughs> now get a hold of this. What's he saying to these priests? Why are you presenting this mess to me on the altar? Now I want to ask you, why are the priests presenting this mess on the altar? Blind, lame, sick sacrifices that are worthless to the people making them. Somebody help me. Let's have some interactive church. Why are the priests presenting this mess on the altar? That's what the people brought. The priests can only take what the people give them and bring it back to God. Now what should the priest have done? Send them home. Forget this mess. You think that's a sacrifice God is going to accept? A half-hearted, half-committed, half-faith sacrifice. And that's the best that you can bring to God. Wow. Can I say in the year 2013, all this team can do is take what you bring and use it for the glory of God. Amen. How far is this church going to go? As far as you want to take it. Somebody has called the children's church. Do you show up on time, prayed up, on fire, having studied the lesson, ready to go? Or are you going through the motions of quote-unquote Christian service. Didn't have any time. We had plenty of time. How many hours a week do you have? 168. How many hours in a week does each one in this room have? What's well, 24 times 7? I'm no accountant. I cheated and did it on a calculator. Every one of us 
has 168 hours. Do you got time to serve a living God? Yes. Do you got time to prepare yourself? Yes. You better believe it. It's amazing because I can, I, I'm not going to get sidetracked here this morning. When I think of all God wants to do in us, with us, through us, it's amazing. We hold the key to the kingdom of God ourselves. I mean, to hear Pastor share about, you know, people up here hungry, ready to pray in the morning. Yeah, baby. Let's get in on that thing. Let's see what the Spirit of God begins to do with a praying church. A praying people. I'm tired of reading about revival. It's about time we experience God really. Yeah. I gotta ask you, what kind of sacrifice are we gonna bring to God? That's amazing. You look at this. Is he talking about your tithe? I asked you a question. Is he talking about your tithe? This has nothing to do with the tithe. He's gonna get to that in chapter three and rebuke your socks off. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Malachi is almost like a, a microcosm, if you will, of the modern church. Look at, well, we're not going to do it. I don't have time. I'm going to talk about time today. And I don't have time to talk about all of this. Let me say this. Malachi chapter 2. Does anybody remember what the problem is? Malachi chapter 2. Does anybody remember what the problem is? <coughs> sexual sin, adultery. They were trying to legalize it. So what did they do? They came to the priest for a divorce. Give me a writing of divorcement so I can marry this other woman. We're going to legalize our sexual sin. How many of you know that's not going to happen in the kingdom of God? Amen. Is this an adultery-free zone? Yes. I hope so. It's up to you. What are you going to make the standard in this church. It's amazing. You look at America today, we're in a 50% range. I'm not talking about the lost. I'm talking about the church. I was a mayor at Old Roberts University. I don't know exactly what that means, but I was one for a couple of years. We were in charge of graduate housing. What do you think our divorce rate was among the spirit-filled Christians at Old Roberts University? The exact same divorce rate in the world. You tell me that God makes no difference in a person's life? Not when you're hard-hearted and so selfish. Let me say this. If you're selfish enough to bring a lame, blind, lousy sacrifice to God, you are selfish enough to get into sexual sin. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, in my church back in Chicago, when things got really quiet, I would go sit out on the front row, and I would look up, and I would give myself an amen. Don't make me do it. <laughs> then you come to chapter 3. Who knows what God talks about in chapter 3 of Malachi? <laughs> Times and offering. You know, elders in our generation are afraid to talk about it. Suppose we talk about tithes. Everybody thinks, give me after my money. Keep your stinking money. <laughs> if you think you're giving tithes to us, you're clueless. Who receives your tithe? God. God does. See, that was the problem with Malachi. Why could they bring some lame, 
animals to the sacrificial altar. They're thinking short term. Right now, I'm just want to, I want to fulfill my duty, quote unquote. And if I've got some lame animal in my flock, I don't want that animal in my flock. I'm going to, I'm going to offer him up to God. Holy smokes. You know, I'm serious. The world has every right to wonder what in hell is going on in the church. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the hot place a minute ago. I can't help it, brother. The word is hell. What in the hell is going on in the local church? We, we would... We, yeah, you, 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 you're saying it nice. I, I, you know, rebuke me, elders. Get it cleaned up after, afterwards. It's all Listen, this is as real as it gets. I, I, I was praying back in December. Uh, actually, when I'm in the hospital, I'm just thinking about it. You know, if I could have done anything different in Chicago, I would not have accepted a lousy standard. I had hundreds of people for years in our church that, in a sense, their, their commitment to what they were doing becomes the church standard. And as a pastor, well, what am I going to do? Go and rebuke everybody? You know, you're not giving, you're not tithing, you're not prayed up. I mean, we have people teaching a class. We have 50 sometimes in a class, and they're reading my manual to the class. You mean to tell me you haven't prayed and gotten a word from God? And this becomes the standard, and so the church sees this lame, pathetic offer. And this is our version of Christianity. I'm telling you right now, before I say anything else, it's time to raise the standard. You serve the living God. Your commitment is to Him. Everything you do from ushering and greeting to driving a bus and cooking food, you do it all for the glory of Almighty God. one real quick. Well, why do I share all this with you? Back to Malachi or Malachi chapter 1. Listen to what he says in verse 11. From the rising of the sun till its setting my name will be great among the nations. What's the issue with the lousy sacrifice? If we dumb down our commitment, if we dumb down Christianity, when the world sees it, what do they say? I don't want to be part of that crazy mess. Where's the glory of God? God, in His faithfulness, is about to wipe Israel right off the map. Because instead of showing the glory of God, they, they show the most deluded form of obedience and worship to where actually He hated their sacrifices. They weren't given with all their heart. Oh, right. It wasn't for the glory of God. And this, you know, it's amazing. When you read the scripture, you find over and over again God saying the same thing. You know, why does he choose Abraham? We're going to look at that this morning. Why Abraham? It's amazing what he says. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. What was his purpose? In calling this one man. I'm going to raise up someone where the standard will be so different. The life will be so different. My interaction in their life will be so different that the whole world sees 
my glory on this man. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to make him great. I'm going to make his name great. Everywhere he goes, he's going to diffuse my knowledge and my fragrance. This is why God chose Abraham. Amen. I look at when Moses is interceding. We were talking about Moses for a little bit this morning as well. Look at Moses interceding. God, forgive them. What does God say? I'll forgive them. I will pardon them at thy word. I'm quoting Numbers 21 now. What does he say? As surely as I live, next, next breath, if you will, out of God's nostril, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Amen. Then he makes any sense. He's telling this one guy, Abraham, I'm going to call you. And then in God's mind, he just lets the cat out of the bag. And the whole world is going to know me. He says to Moses, I'll forgive him. But I want you to know something, Moses. As surely as I live, the world is going to see my glory. Amen. I look at Habakkuk chapter 2. After Israel has fallen and just before Judah is about to be destroyed. What does he say? As the waters cover the sea, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the whole earth. Amen. I tell you, God has never changed his purpose for a single day. I think of Houston. Can I testify about Houston for a minute? I grew up here. I was never witnessed to once in 21 years. In fact, it was insane. I remember back in high school, the, the, the people that were Christians, they'd be the guy you have to drive home because he couldn't drive himself home. But the girls sleeping around, this is our Christian witness. You, you think the world doesn't look and see if there's anything different on the inside of us? This is what God says here in Malachi chapter 1. I'm a great king. My glory is going to be revealed in the whole world. Hear me, I keep shutting my page here. I want to get this. He says, In every place incense is going to be offered into my name, a great offering that is pure, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. <coughs> I tell you right now, I have a vision for this church. When I came here, I don't know when it was, October or something, I was invited to come to a meeting here. And I'll be really honest with you, I wasn't looking for a church. As much as a place where I can sort of tuck my family and my wife and kids away, I'm ready to go do some things on the mission field. And I mean, it's like God just abruptly halted all of my great ideas and plans. Yeah, he does that. And I, I've been here, I've been praying for this church. I don't believe you yet understand what God's going to do here. And I guess there's no way you could. That's okay. Now, we'll let God reveal all that. Amen. But I'll tell you right now, you're not an insignificant group of people. God is literally strategically bringing together a team. But it's for a purpose that the glory of God would be revealed in Houston, in Sugar Land, and in this area. And it's just awesome to see what God is doing. I say, have Jay and Judy come. It's just like, wow, who's next? What, what, what more, God, are you going to add from a leadership foundational level to build something far greater than any of us? Amen. Because that's what God does. How many of you know He is Lord? Yes. yes. In case there's any confusion, I'm not going to make a really good Bible teacher. Look, He's Lord. 
I'm Steve. That's it. No, I mean, really, get a hold of it. God is awesome. Hallelujah. All we can do is follow him. But all he can do. This is a, this is a paradox. You know what I mean by a paradox? Is, I'm going to give you two impossible thoughts at the same time. God can do anything, and yet you limit him by what you do with him. That, that doesn't make sense. That is illogical, but it is a fact. A scripture. God is awesome. He can do anything. Can you imagine if, if we actually became a unified congregation, and a praying congregation, and a holy, godly people? I think two things would happen. We'd stop being so depressed. I'll tell you why so many people in America are so depressed. Because they're so selfish. All they can think about is themselves. And so all we think about is what we don't have. And what we want, didn't get. So we're upset. Sooner or later, we're going to turn our face to God. You burned me, God. You didn't do what you should have done for me. I'm not the right whatever name. Color. Age. I don't have the college background, I mean, as somehow I got passed over in life. Wake up, man. Wake up, woman. You have Almighty God knocking at the door of your Anything that you will submit to Him, He'll take it, He'll clean it up, He'll anoint it, and He'll use it. And I'm talking about your life. Amen. Wow. Okay, that's, that's point A. We like it. Give us the alphabet. Hebrews! Listen. This is the word I've been waiting to preach for a month. Come on now. If, if I were to say to you, now this is heavy, and we're going to get into it. So just buckle your seat. You know, in Genesis, in the life of Abraham, We've got a good 13 entire chapters basically dealing with his life. If you and I were to try to summarize his life, I'll bet you we'd have a hundred different summaries based on everybody in this room. You would pick out something that just blesses you or that you don't like or whatever about his life. You know why I love the New Testament so much? It summarizes, pulls into context what's really going on in the Old Testament. Pastor's talking about Hebrews. Let me lay a root on you. Abraham. How about the very founder of all faith? Jewish, Christian. I don't put Islamic there. That's a demonic perversion. He that doesn't have the Son doesn't have the Father. He that denies the Son denies the Father. What's the first rule in Islam? Jesus is not God. If the first part of your faith is, I deny Jesus Christ, you are outside. Don't, don't ever kid yourself for a day. The Muslims are not our brother. They're deceived. Under a demonic form of, I don't, it's not worship. Get one-on-one -on -one with one and ask them what kind of hope they have for the future. It'll be a real life. Well, you never know what Allah is going to do. I'm not going to get sidetracked into that mess this morning. I want you to understand something. Abraham is the root 
Amen. of everything. Amen. And, and you know who's behind Abraham? You know who the real root is? God. Amen. Who's behind? What makes Abraham Abraham? God. Yeah, God's call. God moving in his life. That happened to me. I was in the oil field. Lost. We didn't even go home. We went to the farms. I'm the guy that your mother warned you about. I'm not going to get into all that. Hallelujah. I'm a new man. I will look anybody in the eye. Look, I am a convicted felon. I can look anybody in the eye and say, you want to talk about addiction? You want to talk about problems? You want to talk about... I was thrown out of Texas. I'm back. I was given 72 hours. Never mind. It's not about me. Abraham blows my mind. Because when I study the life of Abraham, I'm not studying Abraham. I'm looking at how God dealt with Abraham. Amen. Some of you desperately need to break open Genesis. Start again this year, studying the Word of God. And you're going to find out what you're really studying is how God dealt with Adam. What did he say to Adam? What did he allow? What did he rebuke? What did he, what did he discipline? It's all about God. It's not about Adam. It's the same thing with Abraham. But in, in studying the life of Abraham, we find something incredible. Let's read it. His summary statement. I'm going to, I told you a minute ago, if we all study Genesis, we come up with all kinds of ideas about Abraham. Who wants to hear what God says about Abraham? Amen. Amen. Look at this. <coughs> Verse 8. Look, Abraham's whole life is going to be distilled into literally... A sentence or two. I'm in Hebrews 11.8. If you were led by the Spirit, you would have known that. I was deceived. That's my cop out of saying I apologize for not telling you where I am. I know where I am. Listen to this, guys. By faith, Abraham was called. When he was called, what's that word? To go. Well, mine is obeyed. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place that he would receive for an inheritance. And when he went out, he went out not knowing where he was going. Let me, let me summarize this incredible man of God's life. It's not me that's doing the summary. That's why I know this is so important. It's God who does the summary. Here it is. When Abraham heard the call to go out, what did he do? He obeyed. He did it. Can I say to you, you know, we love to say, well, God knows my heart. Listen, you either obey God or you're a rebel. That's right. Wow. No, that's right. Amen. But but let's let's get to the why he obeyed. I want to tell you, this word is so rich. I mean the word of God. You, you need to know what's going on in Abraham's heart. Why he does what he does. Because if you can get a hold of it, it'll change your whole life. It'll actually get you from off track to on course. Man, that's what I want. Listen to this. By faith, 
He lived as an alien in the land of promise. An alien, a stranger, a foreigner. He didn't belong there. It's where God put him, but that's not where his citizenship is. And listen to this. Dwelling in tents. That's a new American standard. Anybody have a King James here today? This is why you need to study all kinds of Bible translations. What's the King James say? Can you read that word? The word sojourner, brother. Either you're with me or you're not. Listen to this. Abraham, he didn't just live in tents. He was a sojourner. How many of you know we don't use that word anymore? When was the last time you heard somebody talk about a sojourner? The only time I ever heard of it in my whole life was a Moody Blues album. Never mind, they're a bunch of dopers from the 60s. I'm going to date myself here with some of this stuff. Seventh Sojourner is the name of the album. Listen, Abraham was a sojourner. Is there a single person in the room that can define the term sojourner? Because it's not someone that lives in tents. It's not someone that's just living out there, but it's a Bedouin. What's a sojourn? So Listen to that. Sojourn. You might have thought. Go ahead, girl! She got it. Listen to this. If you're a Bedouin herder, where do you go? Where your cows and your sheep can eat. In a world crying for security. It's amazing. We've got an American government that spends trillions a year to try to make us feel secure. We've got social security. We've got insurance. We've got Medicaid. We've got welfare. We've got every kind of thing. Because we need to feel secure about ourselves. You know what Abraham did with all the security? I don't want that mess at all. My security is following the living of God. Think about that for a minute. He was a sojourner. He's living on the, if you actually translate it, he wants to live on the board. You know what a boarding house is? What's a boarding house? That's where you eat food. It's not just a hotel. There's a big difference between a boarding house and a hotel. Hotel is where you sleep. Boarding house is a place you can sleep and eat. There's a distinction. It's amazing. What's God looking for? A people that aren't just looking for something for them. They're happy with whatever God gives them. They're content. Look, anything else I've preached to you this year, if you don't get this, it's just the Charlie Brown cartoon. Wah, 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 wah. Because if our heart isn't here, nothing else is going to make sense. We all want our log cabin on our 80 acres where we can chill out and hang out for the rest of our life and be at peace. And that is 180 degrees opposite of what God wants. God wants a people that are sojourning as aliens in a strange land that are serving Him and glorifying Him everywhere they go. It's not about us. It's about His glory and His purpose in the world. Now summarize real quick. Stay with me. I know, I know you're going to get tired. If, if, if I teach you something new, it's just going to wear you out mentally and spiritually. No. Other half are going to get upset and try to find something wrong. Forget. This is the scripture. What's Abraham living for? 
Well, if you read it, if you read it, listen to this. He's sojourning with Isaac and Jacob. It's the bottom part of verse 9. Fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city that has foundation. Wait a minute. What's the city that was being built in the generation prior to Abraham? Babel. Read your Bible. What happened in Genesis 11? The Tower of Babel. What happens in Genesis 12? The call of Abraham. What was the Tower of Babel all about? We are going to make a name for ourselves and we're going to build a monument for ourselves and we're not going to be scattered throughout the earth. After the flood, what did God say? Get out there, guys! What did we say? Ain't no way! I'm not going out there. It's dangerous out there. I want a nice city where I can be secure. Who wants to live in a tent? Suppose I told my wife, honey, I love you. I'm going to do my very best to get a canvas tent. It's, it's going to be waterproof, baby. Will you marry me? What, what woman wants that? Never mind. He got it. Abraham's looking for a city that has a foundation to it. What does that tell me about every city of man that has been built in the last 6,000 years? It has no foundation. It will not last. Listen to this. It is not eternal. What made Abraham Abraham? He had a desire to be part of something that would last forever. That wouldn't be there for a season and then gone. It's amazing. Nothing on this earth that God doesn't build is eternal. The average person in Houston today is living for what? Some temporary thing that will never satisfy the desire in their soul for something that has any real lasting power. Abraham chose to live for eternity. There was a city that was for the glory of man. And there was a city that God showed him that was for the glory of God. Now, is this an isolated motivation? Let's look at Moses. I will say to you boldly and plainly that the two greatest men in the Old Testament are Abraham and Moses. Amen. You want to throw David in there? That's fine. We'll look at him too. If you think his motivation is any different, you still don't understand. Look with me at Moses. Same chapter. And again, this isn't Steve and, and Steveology. This is what God says about Abraham's life. Amen. This is what he did. He's not looking for a city on earth. It's amazing. What happened when Lot, listen real quick, what happened when Lot separates? Anybody remember what the scripture says? He pitched his tent towards Sodom. He's looking at Sodom. What do we, what do we find Lot do? He moves to Sodom. He's grieved at what he sees, but he, he moves in because his vision 
was stuck on the things of this world. If you pitch your tent towards Sodom, it's only a matter of time before you move there. And then what do we find Lot doing? He's sitting at the gate. He's with the elders. You know what Lot becomes in Sodom? An elder. He doesn't just move to Sodom. He becomes a leader in Sodom. Holy smokes. Abraham's the opposite. We're not going to Sodom. We're not going to any of them. We're going to follow God and do what God reveals to us to do. Whole life summary right there in the Word of God. He was motivated by eternity. Well, see Moses. Look at this. Verse 24, Hebrews 11. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Wow. Now look at verse 26. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. Amen. Amen. Man, if you and I could be a prince in Egypt, we would have said, praise God. I get a chariot, any girl or girls or whatever I want, any kind of money, anything. I get it all, man. I'm a prince in Egypt. I am, I am royalty in the greatest empire on earth. Moses comes along and says, you can keep the whole mess. I'd rather be a Hebrew slave than a prince in Egypt. Now, why would a man make that decision? Because he's living for eternity. Amen. And his choices are motivated by that. I don't even want the passing pleasure of sin for a season. I'll tell you about sin real quick. It is fun for a season. Until you're in bondage. And until the enemy now has your mind and your heart. And is driving you into that thing. And it's no more fun. You're a captive and a slave. This is what happens with crack. This is what happens with drugs. And I know what I'm talking about. Man, I'm glad they didn't have crack when I was a kid. That's all I can take, because I did everything else. And it was amazing, because I was so respectable. You know, on the honor roll. Supposed to be a nice guy or whatever. Can I tell you that the enemy will drive you into your sin and drive you into bondage? Yes. And Moses, smart enough, as a, he's probably 17 years old, 16 years old, when he makes the decision, I would rather be a Hebrew slave because that guy is going to get the eternal reward. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Now, really dig in here. Because this is the way God is. He's teaching us in Hebrews 11 really how they all live and what the motivation of all of them is. Why would somebody, why would Isaiah allow himself to be cut in half by Manasseh? They actually stuck him in a log and cut him in half. Why does Isaiah not repent of his prophecies against this evil king and save his life? Because he's living for eternity. Yeah. Amen. He'd rather be cut in half than pay homage to some backslidden king. That's crazy. It's just, what are we going to do? We're going to save ourselves. Not a chance. You can't 
save yourself in this world and save it for eternity. Well, I know that's going to go over big. And this is January. You need to hear it. And think about how you're going to live this year, 2013. If you're not careful, you're liable to squander. You know, in, in revival. This church is in revival. And go in revival. And we're going to see the fruit. And you're liable to be sitting there and miss it all if you're living for right now, today, instead of thinking towards eternity. Let me tell you, you know why some people are going to fall into sexual sin this year? Because they're thinking about themselves right now. And they just want to have fun right now. They're not thinking about what that means in eternity. How do you backslide? By thinking about what you can get right here and right now. And you get caught up in that mess. Next thing you know, you've forfeited your eternal reward. Most incredible thing I know about Jesus Christ is this. No matter how badly we messed up, He makes a way for us yes. to get back on Jesus, thank you. Man, the gospel's good news. Let me tell you what happens if you'll choose eternity. I'm going to give you three points. Write these down. Number one, choose eternity. Live for eternity. Amen. This year, everybody in this room needs to do something that is going to last forever. It's amazing that Jesus is praying for his disciples. Remember in John chapter 15, what does he say? I pray that their fruit may remain. Fruit. That everything they do is going to have some eternal significance. How many of you know me and you are the result of their fruit? <laughs> If it wasn't for John and Peter and James, and we, we know I've gone to hell. They have eternal fruit. He wants the same thing for every single one of us. Listen to this. Verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who's invisible. If you choose eternity, you're going to see who's invisible. <laughs> Who can see the invisible? It's amazing. Pastor Eric saw in homeless people a treasure. Amen. You know what the world thinks? It's amazing. I went and met one of the aldermen in Chicago. I said, man, we need to do something for the homeless. You know what he said to me? I have no homeless in my ward. Mm. You know what? You have no homeless in your ward. Are you kidding, dude? You've got hundreds and even thousands of homeless in your ward. Oh, no. We have no homeless. You know, he was being honest. He was so blind and so dead, he could not see what was right in front of his eyes. Isn't that what Jesus said? Unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. It is possible to live in this world and be totally blind to everything around you. Moses saw the invisible because he chose the eternal. Yeah. I want somebody to get up in the morning and go out and preach in jail. Yes. Is, there any, is there any value out there? Yes. Not yes. just somebody who's not doing something that's going to last forever. My hour of sleep is more important to me if I'm me focused. I'll never see the harvest that's all around us. 
I think, I think, I don't know about you, the nursing homes probably bother me the most. Who's the most at risk people in the United States? The oldest person I've ever led to the Lord was 103 years old. Amen. In a nursing home. And I told her, listen, I'm going to get you a really giant print Bible. So I went home. Actually, I didn't. I had my secretary. Go order one of these massive things. I mean, the it's letters like this big. I, I went to take it back to her. What do you think had happened? And between the time that I was there on a Sunday and got there like by the next Tuesday, she was gone. I believe God is literally keeping a multitude of people alive to give the church one last shot. Snatching him out of the fire. Bringing them into eternity. Now you add to going to the nursing home and bringing some children. You'll have every elderly person in there. They're, they're the most forgotten people on earth. I can't tell you how many of them, when I was up in Chicago, their sons and daughters lived in Chicago and never even visited. I'm talking about hundreds. Hundreds. It's amazing. Their children were so selfish, they couldn't even see the value of their parents. Wow. I'm not wanting to over-spiritualize this, I want you to get it. If you choose eternity, you're going to see what's in this. What's seek to go down to the third war? Is he, is he on vacation? No. See, is he trying to find a job down there? Is this about you know, improving his, his family and all that? Are you kidding? He sees what nobody else sees. Because his motivation is completely different. Amen. Like Abraham, like Moses, like David, like Paul. What does Paul say? We look not at the things that are temporary, but we look at the things that are unseen. Because the things that are temporary, the things that we see, are just for a moment here on earth. But the things that are unseen, they're what? They're eternal. What made Paul, Paul, the same heartfelt decision. I'm going to live for eternity. Are you with me so far? We all Look real quick at verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. Listen, if you choose eternity, you will see the invisible and you will do the impossible. Amen. You know, this church, impossible for a man to just come and build the church. Suppose God said, suppose God doesn't. I want to ask you this. How is it possible to do the impossible? Am I playing games with you? I'm not. These are weird games. Some of you have been broke for 30 years. How are you going to change? Your life is broke. Your mind is broke. Your heart is broke. And you are broke. What are you going to do? Amen. You better change the motivation of your heart. Stop living for whatever little bit of pleasure you can get for just a moment. Learn with Moses. I don't want the pleasure of this world for a season that uses me up and destroys me and lays waste to my life. Amen. I want to live for something that's going to last forever. Amen. That was Moses. Think about that for a minute. Radical stuff. Amen. I wish we had more time. 
to talk about time. Okay, can you tell me real quick? Let's think. Let's think. Everybody, stand up real quick. Stand up. Stretch. Bend your knees. Okay, sit down. Want some blood flowing, man? Spirit of power, break your powers. Let's talk about time for a minute. This is going to blow your mind a little bit, so, so really dial in. There is eternal time, or the time of the Spirit. How many of you know God's not a day older than He was 6,000 years ago? Forget it, you'll never understand it. It went right over all. I don't know the thing about it. Realm of the Spirit's the wildest thing there is. Can you imagine one day you're going to travel at the speed of thought? Don't let me freak you this morning. Just chew on a little bit and let it sink in. Eternity is something we can't even grab a hold of. I was born on July 31st, 1960. Chronological time. It's time that's passing. Some of you are already upset with me because it's 12.15. No. I've hardly gotten warmed up. That's not true. <laughs> you're afraid that your roast in the oven is going to burn up. Listen, God will give you a new roast. You don't have to beat the breakfast to the cafeteria, okay? we got some stuff right here for you. Now listen to me. Chronological time. You know what you and I can be is faithful Chronologically, Abraham was faithful. I think of Peter. Let's use Peter as an example. Trying to get this point across. Peter's up on the housetop in Acts 10, and he's praying. Why? Why is he praying? He wants to meet God. It's not a prayer meeting. It's not some religious duty. There's a cry in his heart. He wants to know God. Amen. So in time, Peter goes up to his housetop and begins to pray. Has anybody ever heard of Kairos? Your appointed time. As you're faithful chronologically, there are times when the Spirit of God steps into time. And it's your appointed time. Amen. 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 Why fast and pray? Because as you develop that lifestyle, you will attract the Spirit of God. God will begin to move in your life. And what was a chronological prayer meeting, all of a sudden will be an outpouring of God's yes. Spirit. Amen. And it will be something that Kairos, God steps into time. Amen. And everybody in the room sees it. Amen. If you're living for just the moment, for your pleasure, for whatever, you won't be faithful chronologically, and you'll miss Kairos, and you will not be prepared for eternity. This morning is amazing. I know in something as simple as preaching the truth, some of you can literally reverse a chronological nightmare. Yes. That's your life. Because of God's grace and His goodness and His mercy. And you can have an appointment today with the living God. Amen. Wow. Hallelujah. That is awesome. Now Hebrews 12. Let's go there real quick. 
This is not a short message, and I don't apologize. Well, I, I like that. At the same time, I want to give everyone the opportunity. We need some real ministry today. I really sense in my heart. God wants to do some awesome things in this room. It's not about me preaching. But I want you to really get a hold of this. Look at what the scripture says in verse 22 of Hebrews 12. It says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Amen. What did you come to? The church? Some some service on whatever it is, Bell Nap Avenue? I don't even know where I am this morning. For me, this is Eldridge, and it changes its name. And whatever it is here, is that what you came to today? Or did you join the assembly? i got to be careful. This isn't an assembly of God church, but you know what I'm saying. You did you come to the living God? Did you come to experience Him? See, here's the deal. In Malachi's age, why could they bring some lame sacrifice? They weren't living for eternity. They weren't thinking about the reality. Their sacrifice wasn't given to some priest in some temple. Their sacrifice was given to the eternal God. Why, why do we have these priests being rebuked in Malachi? The priests are guilty of the same thing. They're letting the people's lousy standard determine how they live chronologically here on earth. Yeah. As a result, they're squandering years. Do you understand there were more than 400 years where God never raised up a single prophetic, prophetic voice. He was so fed up with Israel at the time of Malachi, he literally washes his hands off. The Greeks come in in 333 B.C. and wipe the whole roof out. The Romans come along in 63 B.C. and wipe out all the Greeks. And what happens to Israel in the meantime? It's scary, guys. What's on the temple site today? A mosque! Why? Because they weren't living for eternity. They were just trying to get by. A little bit of effort. You didn't come to that. You came to the church of the living God. To God himself. And look at what it goes on to say. Verse 25. See to it that you, are not, you do not refuse him who is speaking. Because you've come to the living God, there's only one thing for you and I to do. Don't refuse Him when He speaks. I'll tell you what happens in people's hearts. The Spirit of God begins to convict you. And you say, no. I'm not going to stand up. I'm not going to let those people pray over me or whatever it is. Instead of opening your heart to what God can do and literally make today an appointed time, the day you got saved, the day you got right with God, you sit there in your hardened state and say, I don't want any of this mess. Missing your divine appointment. <laughs> Look at verse 28, my friend. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. <coughs> <coughs> God is awesome. 
<coughs> now, real quick, what is our sacrifice to God? Who remembers how we start as Christians? Two words, really, that were echoed over and over again. John the Baptist, Jesus, Peter, and all of their sermons, what did they say? Repent, and then what? Be baptized. It's amazing. God wants to take you and literally bring you to, the, to heavenly places. And most of us are afraid to even get, even get the ball started. Can I tell you, I, I want to be as nice as I can. I demand that you repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Because that's how you start with God. Well, you can't command me to repent. I just did. And in Jesus' name, I want to say it again in case you're confused. Repent and be baptized. Yes. When I stand before God, I will not have to give an account for your soul. I only have to give an account for mine. And if I'm going to teach the truth or not. And I'm here to tell you, the Word of God says, if I come to God, two things I must do. Repent. What does that mean, repent? Literally, metanoia, the Greek word for repentance, means to change your mind that will change the whole direction of your life. Amen. He never says once, confess your sin to be saved. First John, where he says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. That's for your conscience sake. That is not how you get saved. How you get saved, how you get right with God, is you repent, you turn. I was a thief, I was an alcoholic, I was a drug addict, I was an adulterer. What is repentance? To stop all that mess. Amen. And to start Amen. living right for the living God. Amen. Repentance is not confession. In our generation, it's amazing. Somebody comes up and we say, pray this prayer after me. Who did Jesus lead in a sinner's prayer? Nobody. Nobody? Ever? Ever? Then what the heck are we doing? <laughs> Some of you are going to say, well, Pastor, I don't feel safe. It's because you're not. <laughs> and if you repent, you will feel safe. Amen. <coughs> as long as you live in your sin, you will never feel safe. Amen. You will feel right. Amen. Some of you are going to say, well, I'm cold today. That's right. Repent of whatever's bringing that coldness into your life. Yes. Is that clear enough? That's I want to make sure that nobody is confused today. Why baptism? Because he said it. Well, I don't understand it. I don't either. He said it. You want some long dissertation on water baptism? Well, I just obey God. Amen. You know, when I got baptized, the Holy Ghost came on me, and my whole life changed. That's all I can tell you. Yes. What's baptism signify? I can show you about four or five things, but that ain't going to settle it for your heart. You know what you got to settle in your heart? Whatever he says, I'm going to do it. Yes. Because that's what made Abraham Abraham. That's what made Moses Moses. Let me ask you something. If the United States actually put a bounty on your head and you escape to some foreign country and a spirit speaks to you out in the middle of some desert and tells you, I want you to go back, are you coming back? 
Because the minute you do and you come through customs, your name's going to flash up like a big old sign, arrest on sight. That's what Moses did. He came back to Egypt, but he's under death sentence because he murdered an Egyptian. I wonder if he was just trying to skate through life and make it as easy as possible. Nope. If Moses understood, the only way I can go on with this God I serve is to fully obey him totally. Amen. No matter what he says, no matter how he says it, when he says it, no matter how inconvenient it is, I will do whatever God tells me to do. <coughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to give an amen to yourself. Nobody else in the room will do it. My wife's watching the kids today, so my children say some stuff. She believes in what I'm saying. Amen. Who wants to change their destiny? Come on. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's take a minute. Bow our heads before the Lord. Amen.